Today's podcast is presented to you by Unicorn.com, the premier esports betting site. Use the code ROUGHDRAFTS when you log in today to get 75 free unicorns that you could spend on all of the smart money bets we love to recommend on this podcast. And who knows, maybe you'll win the Logitech G910 keyboard that is currently on auction today. Anything is possible, but make sure you use the code ROUGHDRAFTS to get your free 75 unicorns to play along with the pod. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am the editor-in-chief and analyst for Imperial Esports, and welcome to another very special edition of the Rough Drafts Guest Alliance podcast, where the only thing rougher than our pick and ban phase is my inability to come up with a second catchphrase here. But luckily, there are plenty of interesting things to talk about outside of my inability to come up with a catchphrase, and I am joined on the other line to discuss the North American LCS quarterfinals with my good friend and writer for Slingshot Esports, Walter C. Eddie Svetchuk. Walter, how are you doing, man? I mean, I think we've come up with a rather good secondary catchphrase of, it's free money. That's I true. I think we've proven listening to us is free money. So you're saying the only thing rougher than our pick and ban phase would be the lives of people who haven't taken on the free money that we give out every week on this podcast. I would agree. I, th- I think that's a good tagline. We'll have to incorporate that in. But first... You know something that's not rough? Our pocketbooks. <laughs> Man, I wish that was true. I, this is the problem with working for an esports org. I can't take advantage of this, but you can live where I can't. And for the record, for North America, we might as well include this now. We are currently $1,134 in the black if you put $100 on every smart money bet we put out. That's over $1,000 you could have in your pocket right now if you just stay tuned and, and follow our smart money bets at the end of all these podcasts. So, And, and between the two leagues, we're almost three grand in the black. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Almost. So, almost three grand, just under. If you included our EU promotion uh, tournament bet, then we would be at three grand. So just go. saying, podcast, it's free money. But let's talk about something that is also kind of influenced by money. The WWE... WrestleMania, it is this week, and it inspired us as a fun little opening for this week's podcast because for North America, we didn't get a promotion series for all the reasons we discussed last week. So I for reasons that are about as valid as a normal WWE event. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. It's uh, just as convoluted and just as much involving uh, management that can be portrayed as either good or bad, depending on who you want to put in charge of that decision. I am very curious, though, Walter, what would the LCS be like if it was run by the people that run the WWE? We could just go pure storyline and just come up with the most entertaining thing for the maximum number of fans to watch. What would that be? And let's start with your theory for Europe. How would the WWE run these European playoffs? So for Europe, we've got six teams here, and I I think that only one team, like, if, if we could have brought one team in outside, I think Rockat would have been the team. They remind me of this wrestler back in the day called Evan Bourne. Now, Evan Bourne was this tiny little thing, just just tiny, like maybe like 5'5", five, five, 
180 pounds maybe and he was this like super high flyer and that reminds me of rocket just like bounce around the ring and then you know he'd, he'd get his jumps he'd get his leaps off he'd you know climb up to the top of a 20-foot ladder jump down and then he would get like the signature move of whatever superstar he was actually wrestling against like he'd get you know rko'd by randy orton and then that was over it was like oh oh just like rocket he didn't know how to finish but with these 16s I'm, I'm just speaking the truth. With these six teams, I think there is a storyline that is written in here uh, that is just so perfect. It's so perfect, in fact, they're just going to steal last summer's storyline. And they would somehow get both Fnatic and Orion into the finals against each other. And in the finals... Orion would go down 0-2. Power of Evil would finally have, like, run out of whatever mythical energy that he's been using. Maybe he has some sort of urn that, you know, he's been carrying around, and that gives him some mystical evil energy or whatever. But it finally, it all comes it all comes shattering apart. Fnatic look unbeatable. They're, be- they're in this crazy form. Reckless and Forbidden are just going nuts. And then you would hear music. And honestly, I think it would be the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels music, and it's this, it's this kind of sultry, you know, you know I'm sexy, kind of like <laughs> music. I don't know, if you've ever heard Shawn Michaels music, go listen to Shawn Michaels' theme song right now, and out of the back, ex Peke would just burst, and he'd just come running out of the back, and he'd be like, alright, let's do this. And then Orion would just three would just reverse sweep it, and Origin would finally be holding up their title, and you would just see Sean X Peke Michael standing up there holding holding it, just cheering, going crazy, and then out of nowhere, Ocelot would just sideswipe him, would just spear him, knock him over, and you have it set up for next summer, the battle between Peke and Ocelot, and both of them would be starting on their teams. See, this is why I would rather have I go back and forth. I don't know if I'd rather have Origin versus H2K or G2 in the finals. I don't think the Fnatic storylines are as interesting as they used to be just because it doesn't have the same history. None of these guys are necessarily the old school Fnatic guys. But what I would love to see, we get Origin versus H2K in the finals. H2K, potentially for Given's last series, his last chance to play in an international tournament if he, they win and they go to MSI. And everything on the line with that, that looming military service, almost like a ridden-in injury in the WWE. They have to find a way to write him out but end him on the perfect note. But here comes Origin, this team with so much potential, a semi-finalist at Worlds last year, finally coming into their own, building up this momentum. Forgiven takes out game one. He just dominates, just solo carries the game. And in game two, H2K, keep that pressure going, keep the skirmishes up. And then suddenly we hear X Peke's theme song, which I'm pretty sure is I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. Just walks onto the stage, gives uh, Shocks the wink as he goes on. You know, just as, you know, the slight nod, like, yeah, you know what's up. And he gets on stage. <laughs> And you can just see, you know, Prawley's just looking over there like, here it is. This is, this is what we want. We want the final boss of Origin here. Game three, X-Peke fights his way through. Game four, just a perfect Sven game. And then it comes down to that final matchup. 
And at that point, I don't even care who wins. Like, we're all winners at this point. I think X-Pac-A comes just this short, just this short, Forgiven has a monster game five, and X-Pac-A is forced to be on the analyst desk at MSI with Ocelot. And the two of them have to talk together <laughs> as they both cast H2K's games. That's what I want to see. That's, that's my story. I, I, we, we need all of those things. That's how I would run the WWE. I think you have to – if you're Riot, if you were the WWE and you were running this, you have to give Forgiven his last go. You have to. That's fair. I, I did forget about that. That's fair. I, I, I appreciate that though. Well, here's the thing though, Walter. We're talking about North America on this podcast. And I want to hear your North America theory of the WWE. How would you do it here? Because there are so many different angles you can take. Well, this is going to be this is going to be the the John Cena storyline. We've got TSM, the All American Heroes, in TSM, and they're they're John Cena. They're the hold superstar. up. They're the- Did you just say All American and TSM in the same sentence, good sir? Shut up. <laughs> I get it. I get that it's funny. I get that it's funny, and that it makes no sense because whatever, whatever. TSM is the Yankees. They're the Cowboys. They're John Cena. They're the superstar. They're the face of the North American LCS, and if not the North American LCS, perhaps even League of Legends as a whole. And they're going up against some of the stiffest competition that the WWLCS can throw at them. They got Cloud Nine who's been their Achilles heel for the majority of the last few years. They're probably the Randy Orton in this scenario, right? They're, they're conniving. They're, they're ingenious. They're going to do whatever they can get to win. And TSM is going to just have this grueling battle against them, and they're going to knock them out. They're going to take them out. You know, he's going to give them an attitude adjuster. They're going to move on. And now they're against the new Young Guns, okay? The Immortals, the superstar lineup that like, came out of nowhere and imported a couple of guys from Europe and slash Korea and brought them in, and they've just been running roughshod over everyone. And this would kind of be like any time John Cena's gone up against one of those stables like the Nexus or, or the Shield or the Wyatt family. He's going to dig down deep. It's going to be this grueling five-game series. And then in the finals... John TSM Cena is going to stand there and he's going to go out and his music's going to be playing. And he's going to look across and there's going to be CLG and Hotshot GG and all of them waiting for him because this is literally the greatest storyline that they could ever write outside of Liquid being the fourth place team again. <laughs> CLG, TSM on the stage at Mandalay Bay underneath the beautiful neon lights of Las Vegas, we thought that Madison Square Garden was the pinnacle, the pinnacle of what could have happened. No, we're going to be in Vegas. We're going to have the glitz. We're going to have the glamour. We're going to have Tony Bennett do the national anthem. I don't know. I don't care. That's literally (laughs) the greatest storyline they could write would be TSN slogging it through two grueling best of five series while CLG just disposes liquid like the flies they are, the fourth place team that they're destined to be. And you're going to have CLG up on their high horses like, we beat them in New York last year. What do we care? And it's going to be a slobber knocker, folks. A slobber knocker. See, I can't help but feel like you being a TSM fan is biased what you think is the most interesting possible storyline here. We've seen CLG TSM. Wait, wait, we didn't say it. 
interesting. We said what the most WWE storyline would be. Well, here's my WWE storyline here. First of all, I say TSM gets 3-0 against Cloud9 because I want to build up for the summer the TSM redemption story. Like this is where everything goes wrong and they get down on their luck. And then the summer, which is like the ultimate WrestleMania, that's when TSM starts making their rise. I've got a plan for that ahead of time. So I have them fall out here. But I think this is when you go old school versus new school. I think it has to be Immortals and it has to be CLG. And it needs to be a battle of the mind. It's got to be this just slugfest. You know, here CLG comes with the uppercut and gets the the split push, just dominates with the Darshan game. And then in game two, Adrian and Wild Turtle just go ham and they just start shredding through sticks a and the rest of this team and it's just this back and forth and like slowly but surely you know tag team style you see tsm clg cloud nine liquid they're all grouped together they're all you know these teams are all helping clg in between games like all the coaches and analysts they have to overthrow the new guys they can't let the new guys take over and meanwhile you've got nrg you've got renegades you've got impulse you've got all Echo Fox, you've got all these new owners and they're rallying behind Immortals just slowly but surely. This new establishment versus old and it just comes to a head in Game 5 where Immortals just falls this short and CLG takes their second title and Immortals is just bitter. And they take that and they harness it and they go for the 18-0 because 17-1 wasn't enough. And just come roaring through summer before TSM again in my hypothetical WrestleMania situation comes out of nowhere and takes the victory because it has to be CLG and TSM if WrestleMania is running it. That's just how the WWE works. Just, I mean, what would what would Immortals have to do before we we would go that way? Where are the Immortals fans, man? I feel like we should have more of these popping up by this point. The problem is that Immortals are in North America, and North America already has four really established brands in Liquid, CLG, Cloud9, and TSM. And in all honesty, it's really rough to like try and drag away from those four brands, because they've been here since the beginning, essentially, outside of Cloud9. You're talking about TSM, Liquid, Slash, Curse, and CLG, who have been here since you know Season 2. Season 1, in, in the case of CLG and, and TSM. It's hard to pull fans away from there, no matter how good you are. You even had that problem early on with Cloud9 in that very first summer where they did so well, and they had some problems pulling fans away from TSM and CLG and, and, and Curse at the moment, at that time. And once they did, they built themselves up. They had to be successful for like you know two or three splits in a row, and that's when they really started pulling in this following. And they went out and they got you know a really good Counter-Strike team. They went out and got a Dota team. They went out and got Mango for smash brothers so cloud nine really worked to build up their brand and it it didn't just happen overnight that all of a sudden everybody loved cloud nine it also helped that their the personalities that they had on the team were very were very fun personalities i mean i loved watching medios and sneaky stream i loved it they were hilarious 
and Immortals has some of those personalities in Wild Turtle and in Adrian and Poe Belter. You have the Poe Belter face meme and Hootie and Rainover are, are hilarious in their own right. I think Immortals have a shot of doing that, especially if they're very successful going into the summer. And even if M- at MSI, they're really successful. So I think there's a chance it's not just going to happen overnight that you're going to pull fans away from TSM and, and from CLG and from Liquid and from uh, Cloud9. It, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, that's fair. I don't, I don't know. I feel like at some point you need to just topple the greats before people are going to believe. The regular season is one thing, but if Immortals wins here, I got to imagine that the fanatic fans who fell in love with Hooney last split, who is the kind of personality you can get around, the CLG fans who liked Poe Belter, the TSM fans that stood by Wild Turtle, there are a lot of people that are just waiting for that moment where they can move over and not feel badly about it. And when they do, they're going to be able to enjoy some great games from Immortals. And it should be, even though it's not run by the WWE, I think that both WrestleMania and the LCS playoffs are going to be a ton of fun to watch. You know what else WrestleMania and the LCS playoffs have in common? What? You can make highlight videos of both of them on Vibby.com. Because the thing about Vibby that's so great is it doesn't matter what kind of video player. If you've got YouTube, Twitch, Vimeo nowadays, you can make highlight videos super easy. Their new create process is very user-friendly. Even I, who has very little video experience, can make a video right away. They've now got a verified partner system, so you can look at your favorite teams, your favorite streamers, any of these big personalities, and immediately form a community around it. Whatever it is, whether it be the esports that we love to talk about here, or, you know, even wrestling or any other hobby that you're looking for, the possibilities with Vibby to make highlights of all of your favorite videos are absolutely endless. If you can make a highlight video of any WrestleMania, Walter, which one you pick? Oh, uh, I'd I'd probably go back, and there was WrestleMania where maybe it wasn't at WrestleMania, but I I remember the storyline between Edge and Undertaker. Where, I think it was back, maybe like 2008, where they were duking it out. And I just loved Edge. I loved his character. And I just loved the interactions that they had with each other. But I'd probably pick like any Undertaker WrestleMania. I think from all of them, you could come up with like a really great highlight package and and put it on Vibby. And I'd love to see those highlight videos. So go to Vibby.com today. Send them our way. We love seeing them on our Twitter feed and seeing what you guys create. And look forward to some Vibby's from us at Imperial coming out very soon. Our tournament's about to start, so you're, you'll see some Vibbies from me. And if I can do it, I know you guys can. So Vibby.com, check it out. And we're going to check out the first quarterfinal series from North America. It is Cloud9 versus TSM. Walter, you're a TSM fan. I'm going to give you the floor here. What are your thoughts oh, and feelings entering this series? No, no, don't give me the floor. Don't, don't, why are you giving me the floor for this? Are, are you just trying to torture me? Yes. What? Have I absolutely. Made a, have I made one too many Zoro Zero jokes for your liking? Is, uh, is this finally payback for that? It is my Twitter profile picture, having been so for like seven months now. So yes. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. Oh, Enjoy man. it, man. Take, take the floor. Um, well, um, we have Weldon back. And and magically that helped us beat CLG because he somehow uh, uh, convinced them not to screw up lane swaps and not to make really stupid decisions during the game. So apparently he's a wizard. 
No, I hate this narrative. I was just right before we recorded, I was just talking about it on Twitter. If you want to go back, I really don't like the sort of excuse, quote unquote, of, oh, well, there's, you know, their head's not in it. They're just, they're, they're making bad decisions because they're nervous or whatever. I disagree with that. I'm fairly old school where it comes down to, sure. Nerves can take something, and yes, mistakes can compound themselves because you don't know how to fix them or whatever, but it comes down to TSM fundamentally and strategically is a bad team. They don't play well together. Maybe some of that is just they need to be best friends, and Weldon's going to help make them best friends through training and trust exercises. I don't think that's the case. I just think that macro strategy-wise, they don't know how to work together, and I don't think it's a... They aren't friends. They don't like each other. They just aren't on the same wavelength. I literally think that they just have not created a system that plays to the strengths of every single one of their players. And, and, and it's weird. It seems like that it's a shot calling, that they have problems shot calling. They don't know when to make decisions. They have one of the greatest shot callers in Western history in Yellow Star, and they still have these problems, which tells me either Yellow Star is being drowned out by someone else or Yellow Star is magically, you know, forgotten how to shot call. They've been messing up lane swaps the entire season. There's been no consistency in their ability to lane swap, which is not a mental mistake to me. It's a they aren't well practiced. They aren't translating whatever they're doing in scrims into the game for whatever reason, and that just can't be, oh, it's something wrong with their head. No, they are choosing not to execute the way that they do in scrims. So I'm not excited to watch this series. I honestly think that TSM is going to get crushed, even though I still have some questions about Rush's integration and, and High's champion pool. With Cloud9, I think Jensen has been playing out of his mind. He's probably been one of the best non-immortals players in North America this entire split. Um, Balls has been passable. He's been above average. He's not harmed them. He's helped them in some instances. When they do play around him, he's done okay on Fiora. And I think that Trundle, as I said on the EU podcast, is a really important pick. And he can play a pretty good Trundle. Um, And Sneaky's just been consistent. Sneaky's been, you know, same old Sneaky. So... Unless Weldon is actually a wizard, I don't see TSM standing a chance. I want to say this because now that I've been in a gaming house and I've had to work with players directly, I will say that there is something to be said about the importance of having everyone's head on straight. And that is something that you need to do with rookies, with young guys that don't have experience. Those are the guys that need those talks. There is not a single one of those guys on TSM. If they haven't learned how to be a professional at this point, I don't know when they're going to. There's just something about their inability to wrap around this headspace and build an identity with each other that screams problems that just aren't going to be fixed by one guy coming in for a week. It's not, there's problems just go so much deeper than that. It's a matter of not trusting each other, which is clear in the way that they play. It's a matter of not necessarily listening to the right people in calls, not allowing people who are signature shot callers to be those guys, and not playing as a team. And you can tell from start to finish. I mean, we're going to give a shout out to Steve Kaffmeyer. This is a guy who has been a fan of the podcast for forever, does a lot of DraftKings style things. 
if you like those kinds of games where you can pick up players and you know get individual points for them as like a daily fantasy kind of draft. But he made a regression model talking about projected win rates versus actual win rates. And TSM, by all accounts, should be a sub-500 team. That's not great as a general rule. That is a sign that things have gone pretty terribly wrong for an organization that has so many strong players. And like I said, at some point, you have to remember that you've all been there before. You should know what it's like to be on that stage. And if you haven't learned the lessons after an entire offseason and nine weeks of playing together in the LCS, I have no reason to believe that you're going to fix it now. But we should talk about the other end of things. You mentioned Jensen very briefly there. Jensen is the only non-Immortals player to win an award for being the best at his position in North America. And I think that was well-earned. Are there any concerns you have for Cloud9 in this particular series? Is there anything that strikes you as something TSM might be able to exploit and keep the series closer than we might project it to be otherwise? I still think the synergy between Balls and Rush is is a little suspect. I think there is an ability to sort of attempt to exploit that if Sven Skarin and Haunters can get on the same page. Um, I I doubt that's going to happen, but if it is going to happen, it's going to be through through that lane. It's going to be through Haunters outplaying balls it's going to be through Svenskaren influencing that lane and, and and putting it into Haunter's favor so across the board though I think it's it's a pretty even matchup I think Bjergsen and Jensen are pretty even they can each duel each other I I think that the bot lanes of high and, and sneaky versus double lift and yellow star both have some weaknesses on um on their own side each each have weaknesses that can be exploited by the other it's which team is more likely to exploit the weakness, and I think that Cloud9 is more cohesive. I think High and Sneaky are on the same wavelength, where Yellowstar and Doublelift really aren't. So when it comes down to it, I just don't see a lot of pass to victory for TSM unless they are able to just massively outperform what they've done the entire season. They would have to be the best team in North America, which we expected them to be, um, in order for them to to beat Cloud9 here, and I, I just don't see that happening in you know, only a couple short weeks. Yeah, you'd need macro play, because that's what Cloud9 has been so good at. I mean, it's something that we've emphasized on the podcast before, but it's worth repeating. This is a Cloud9 team that knows how to beat you with efficiency. You get a tower on one side, they're getting two on the other. Or they're getting a tower and a dragon, or a tower and a rift herald. They're using these advantages, and they're just constantly getting just a bit more out of it than you are and using that to further and further their lead until by the time you've realized just how much they've built up for themselves, it's a little bit too late to respond. And that's something that I think TSM has particularly struggled with as far as how they play these series. It's been, like you said, on a micro level, TSM can keep up point for point. All of the players on TSM side, I still believe are talented with the exception of maybe Sven Skarin, who's had an off split. I believe that all these guys have the potential to rise to the occasion. Even Yellowstar, whose positioning has been subpar, if they give him a chance to be the player that he was on Fnatic, I still believe that guy is there. He's just wired that way. I literally do not believe he has fallen off as an individual as much as the stats would indicate right now. 
but they've got to have the macro play. And it's hard to imagine TSM out macroing a Cloud9 team that still has high on it because apparently all you need to be a good macro team is to put high in literally any position that's going to be fine. That it doesn't matter whether he's jungle, mid, support. If he's on the rift, then you can play the macro game really well. That's just where we are right now in, in life. Which, that combined with Weldon means our two least favorite storylines in the North American LCS are going head-to-head this week, which is just beautiful. The fanboys of whichever team wins are just going to be unrelenting with the, the memes as a result. Walter, all of this said, where do you think the line is for this series? I have Cloud9 at minus 250. Okay, we once again split this. I said minus 250 as well. It is minus 286. That is TSM plus 210, by the way. Not that I think that's going to happen, but I do find it interesting. That is a very interesting line. I, I do agree. If you believe in the Weldon effect, you could, you could make some money here. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any bet that's jumping off the table as far as the prop bets are concerned. You can get, if you believe that Cloud9 is going to win 3-1 or better, that minus 1.5 handicap, you can get minus 120, which isn't ideal, but it's at least more value than what you would be getting otherwise. If you believe that Weldon has some plan for map one, that's TSM plus 145 for map one. I, it's hard for me to see this being a, a close series. I don't see this going to five games, for instance. I just don't know if there's any value here. What's the argument that this goes to five games? Do you, is that something that as a TSM fan you can talk yourself into? I, I can't. I can't just because I've seen them how they played the last you know two weeks of the season. And the only thing that they have going for them is that every once in a while when TSM needs to be prepared for an event, they, they show up for that event and they're prepared. As much as we can say, oh, you know, they threw a 10,000 gold lead to ever... They were prepared for IEM Katowice up until SKT. They were prepared. They played well until they threw one team fight. So I guess the argument is, if you think that the TSM preparation outweighs what Cloud9 is able to do, and Cloud9 is always well prepared as well because of Lemon Nation, maybe there's a chance, but I don't see an easy path to, yeah, TSM is going to go to five games. Yeah, TSM is going to win this series. Uh, like I like I would with some other teams. I, I, I just don't see it. I don't see any one factor that TSM can exploit in such a way that it would give them an advantage in this series. I think they're very even with Cloud9. And Cloud9 probably has the advantage just because they've been playing better. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. It's hard to get excited about a team that hasn't necessarily produced on either side very well. They're actually below average on both blue and red side for their kill-death ratio, they've been a sub-500 team if you look at most of their stats, and I just don't see the macro play somehow getting better. It's going to be a tough series for them. But the good news is you can see the stats, and you can understand and get ready for the letdown that is inevitably coming as a TSM fan. And it's clearer and easier than ever before to have your dreams crushed before the series even begins if you go to esportsfans.com 
and enjoy the really cleanly laid out stats that they have over there. Walter, was there anything that stood out to you as you were prepping for this podcast that just struck you on the eSports fans page? I, I would say from the statistic that they sent us over that TSM was pretty mediocre, whether it was blue or red side. Um, other than that, there were a few teams that really outperformed themselves on, on, on one side versus another, and one of them was CLG. CLG mm-hmm. was fantastic on on red side and, and wasn't as good on blue side and we, we've talked about this before off podcast and some of that might have to do with just the ability to have two power picks when you're on red side or the ability to counter pick at the end for either darshan or for hui so uh i i thought that there there have been some very interesting stats that they've they've pumped through to us and i can't wait to delve in a little bit deeper in some of the stuff that i've asked them for today so Absolutely. Maybe we'll see something very interesting pop up. Oh, I'm sure there are going to be some more interesting stats along the way. And the good news is it's so clearly laid out for any fan, casual or hardcore, to be able to immediately see all of these things come into play, either through the team pages that give detailed roster match statistics and lines of basically all the team strengths from barons to dragons to first bloods and everything you can think of otherwise to player pages that break down builds champion analytics who are their favorite champions to play and and how they like to play them as well as recent matchups there's just so many ways to digest statistics in a way that anyone can enjoy we highly recommend you go to esports fans that's fans with a z or a z depending on whether or not you studied in the uk dot com go enjoy it we love those guys and i think you guys are going to love it too if you enjoy things like our podcast and another thing that i think we're going to enjoy and we could thank them for a little bit of advice on this series as well it's liquid versus nrg And Liquid being the home team seems to really matter in this one because their blue side is leagues ahead of their red side when you break it down statistically. We're talking about a 1.8 kill-death ratio on blue side versus 0.9 on red, as well as just faster games, more efficient gold per minute, more efficient basically everything you can think about. So, Walter, is, is there anything about the way that Liquid has been playing and the way that that roster is structured that helps explain that to you? Or do you think that this is just one of those weird statistics that happens to come up when you have a team that has young players and incorporated them at different times and has some natural up and downs as a result? I mean, would you say those leagues are legendary? (laughs) I would say they're legend, wait for it, dairy. When it comes for Liquid, I just feel like they're peaking at the right time. Um, I I think that there is something to be said for when your performance... When when you take a step up or you level up in your performance or whatever metaphor you want to use. And I think that's what's happened, is that Liquid has figured something out about themselves. Figured out how they want to play. I think 80 carries have become slightly more important as we've gotten towards the end of the season. And that plays right into their wheelhouse of Piglet is a superstar. Piglet is is one of the best 80 carries in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not the world, 
yet. I, I still think there are some other 80 carries that are definitely above him, but he has become an extremely impactful player from that 80 carry position in terms of team fighting, in terms of dealing damage while he has pressure in his face. He is not scared. That has been one of the biggest things of he does not care if you dive on top of him. He is going to attack, 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 you know, A move, A move, ability here, ability here. He is going to just deal whatever damage he can to whoever is right in his face. And that's really what 80 carries are, are supposed to do, and that's that's what they're allowed to do. If you have three tanks in your face, your 80 carry is not going to be able to duel their 80 carry. You're going to have to leave it for your mages to blow him up, or your divers, or your tanks to blow him up. And where he is unafraid to fight whoever is coming into his face, Alltech is the opposite. Alltech can get pushed out of team fights very easily. His positioning can be suspect sometimes of where he doesn't follow the same path through the jungle that his team does, and all of a sudden he's by himself, a team fight erupts, and okay, well he can either go in onto their back line, but if I'm the enemy team, okay, five people are just going to turn on your AD carry. So he doesn't play as intelligently as Piglet does, and he doesn't play as fearless as Piglet does. And I think this... That matchup right there is the most important matchup in this series, is Piglet versus Alltech. Who is going to be more effective? And over the course of the season, over the course of last season, that answer has been Piglet. Yeah. And that's a thing that I think has worked very well for Liquid, both on blue side and as a team as a whole. When you put Piglet in a powerful situation, you get that first pick, you get usually your pick of the bot lane, in that second rotation, that's just the way that most drafts have been going down once the super huge power picks are off the board. And you just let Liquid play to the team that they can be. And one of the things that I loved about Steve Kaffmeyer's prediction model here is that he actually has Team Liquid as the second highest predicted win rate given the gold spent differential and all the other things that he puts into his formula which I think actually makes a lot of sense when you look at how this team has grown from the beginning of the split. It took a little bit for Lorlo to figure it out. I think Matt still has a couple things to figure it out, but Dardock has been huge. He earned that rookie of the split in a way that I wasn't necessarily sure he was always going to. I'll have to admit, I was wrong on that one. Liquid fans, you don't have to flame me behind my back on your subreddit anymore. I was wrong. I admit it. Well, to be fair about Liquid, even though we knew they were going to run this 10-man roster, we had no idea that Dardock was either, one, this amazing, or two, that he was going to play all but one game of the entire split. We were looking at, in the preseason, we were looking at a team that had Smoothie and, and I Will Dominate. That's and true. that roster is very, very different than the roster that we are seeing at the end of the year here. Matt and Lorlo and Dardock are very much in sync. They always are going in together. They're always engaging the right fights. They move around the map really well in a way that in the one game that we saw I Will Dominate and Smoothie, we didn't see. We didn't see that kind of team cohesion. And maybe it's because they're younger players. Maybe it's they have more drive. Maybe it's that they have a fresher take on the game. I, I don't know what the direct answer is, but none of us could have seen Dardock coming and how amazing he was going to be. Yeah, I was just slower on the Dardock hype train than a lot of people. So I, I have to admit to that. When I, I had my podcast with Steve Nugent win, uh, and I was a little bit lower on him than I now am. But... You know who I'm a lot higher on and was the most surprising part of this team to me was Phoenix. Phoenix is a good mid laner now. 
I mean, we used to criticize his champion pool and how exploitable that had been in the playoffs and the qualifications for the promotion tournament. And that problem seems to be fixed. Phoenix has played 12 different champions this split, which is absolutely incredible. The guy has been a very reliable force in the mid lane. He has shown a depth that he simply did not have last split. And that growth has allowed Piglet to flourish. It has allowed the younger players on this team to have some time to adjust. And now I think they are a very scary team heading into these playoffs. It's unfortunate that I think Cloud9 is going to win their series because it means that Liquid will likely have to face Immortals. And even as they're figuring things out, no one has played to the level that Immortals has played in North America. But I have very high hopes for this Liquid team and how they're going to grow and continue to improve heading into the summer. Meanwhile, NRG... I kind of feel the exact opposite. This is a team that I was so excited about at the beginning of the season, and now it just feels like that we're slogging through games, that players aren't on the same page as each other. What happened, Walter? Why is this team falling off so much from our expectations, and how can they fix it in this playoff series? The synergy between Impact and, and Moon never happened. Um, Moon has, has been a disappointment compared to what my expectations of him was going to be. We had heard a lot of good things. We thought he was going to be a very highly touted recruit. We thought that Hermit and this entire staff was going to be able to figure out some way to make this team work and and make the most out of the strengths that Impact had in, in particular. And it just never happened. And I think this team in particular has been the most disappointing, um, even more so than TSM. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because of the amount of hype that was around them in terms of the investment group, in terms of new players, in terms of GBM coming over. GBM has been good, not amazing. I think he's been good, but I don't think he's been great. Alltech has been... I, it's just another notch in my belt as a anti-Alltech bandwagoner of just like, I don't think he's good. I think everyone has been extremely overrated on him. And that's what it comes down to, is the team just didn't make it work, and I again, it's like with TSM, I don't think that they're magically going to make it work within two weeks. The one plus side for energy is the last couple of weeks they have looked better, and even against TSM, even though TSM got out to a 10k gold lead, energy hung in there, they didn't tilt off the face of the earth, and and they figured out a way to win that game. They, came, they ended up coming back and winning that game, so... When it comes down to it, I, I feel very similarly about energy like I do with TSM. I don't see a very clear path to victory for them. Uh, but I do think that it might be slightly easier for them than TSM, just because Liquid, I think, is a little bit weaker team than Cloud9. I understand that if we're just talking about what's on the Rift, but what scares me most about this team is how they're going to handle the bright lights of this series when there have been so many stories behind the scenes that just are red flag after red flag. You know, we have the Daily Dot story that was published about six weeks into the season about Moon no longer feeling confident and asking if they can find another jungler so he can step down and let them do something in which they'll feel more confident because he didn't feel like he belonged on this roster. We have Alltech who literally took a week off because he wasn't confident in his play anymore and had to be coaxed back into coming on the roster after LOD proved that that wasn't going to be the fix for NRG's problems either. 
I just don't believe in most of the individuals on this team. I like GBM more than you do. I think he's a great innovator. I think he catches people off guard. And the games that they've won, I do feel come down to his ability to catch opponents off guard in lane matchups they're not comfortable with and bringing that extra level of play to both team fights and the laning phase. But on the other hand, when you look at how badly impact has dropped off from what he was at Team Impulse last split, when you look at these real genuine concerns with Moon and Alltech and, you know, Conquan isn't necessarily some amazing support in his own right, it just feels like for every single thing that has gone right for Liquid, for every way in which that team has grown and improved over the course of the split, NRG's been the polar opposite, where the longer the season's gone on, the more holes have been exposed, the more the pressure seems to be getting to them. And I just find it very hard to believe. But let's see if the casinos believe more than I do. Walter, where do you think the line is? I had Team Liquid at minus 175. Okay, you get this one. <laughs> which means you won both quarterfinals this week. Coming on strong! You, it puts you at 14 and 5. There's still no way you can win. I am going to be choosing your profile picture on Twitter at the end of this. But you can keep it respectable, man. Every single point matters. It, uh, I'm under double digits. You are under double digits now. I'm going to have to come back next week for the semis and, uh, and rectify this. But I think that that's a fair line at minus 189. I said minus 160, by the way. So it wasn't like either of us were particularly off. It does feel like there's some value to be had if you like Liquid in this series as much as I do. Liquid is plus 115 for the minus one and a half handicap. And I think this could very easily be a 3-1 series. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that one? I think this is more likely to be a, a 3-2. I think this is a five-game series, in all honesty. Um, I don't think that... I think there will be a game where GBM just completely goes off, mm-hmm. and he, he single-handedly carries it. There will be a game Phoenix single-handedly carries. There will be a game that Piglet single-handedly carries. And then I think the other couple are, are going to be they're, you know, fairly even. I think these teams are somewhat even, and I'm going to give a little bit of credence to Herbert and the energy staff of figuring out a way to make use of Impact's talents in this series. I think, again, I keep saying this, Trundle, to me, feels like one of the most important picks of the playoffs right now. Mm -hmm. And I think especially for Impact, that can have a very high level of success if they prioritize that champion. Granted, Liquid is uh, is the home team, so they will have decision in three of the games. And it'll be interesting to see how Liquid and Energy react in terms of the teams having... Maybe Team Liquid wants all five games to be blue side, and and Energy wants all five games to be there on red side. Who knows? Until we see that breakdown, I I have to leave it as as a toss-up. Once I see that breakdown, I'll probably be more sure of whether it's going to be a 3-1 or a 3-2. But I think Liquid has this all the way. Well, we do know that Liquid gets to pick three of those games because they are the higher seed. Yes. With the four seeds. So we know there will at least be three blue side games. I'm going to say from a smart money perspective, I'm happy hedging on the over four and a half maps. I think that's plus 175. I think there's enough of a chance of that that that's worth taking. 
Yeah, I would agree with this. I, I, I would think that a five-game series is very likely for, for this turn. So the, the question is where you want to hedge. Because we can either hedge by saying Team Liquid plus 115 with a minus one and a half handicap, which means as long as Liquid wins, whether it's a 3-1 or a 3-2, we're still going to overall make money on the series. Or we can go all in on NRG and take them to win map one at plus 115, which I don't like because I think Liquid will take blue side there, and I really don't like that matchup yeah, for NRG. I, 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 would take, I would take the Liquid to win at minus one and a half. So there you go. We've got Cloud9, minus 120 with a minus one and a half handicap over TSM. We've got Team Liquid, plus 115 with a minus one and a half handicap over NRG. And we have hedged that with over four and a half maps at plus 175, which pretty much guarantees one of those comes through. Unless, of course, NRG wins, in which case, well, we'll have to deal with that as it comes. But I believe in this new regression model from Steve Kaffmeyer, and I believe this has been an exciting, fun podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed our WrestleMania bit at the beginning. If you have any great WWE wrestling conspiracy-style theories for the LCS, please tweet them at us. I am at RedshirtKing on Twitter. Walter, where can the nice people find you at home? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL and at SlingshotEsports.com. Perfect. And... If you want to comment on iTunes, leave a review there. We are the Rough Drafts podcast on iTunes. We love those reviews. It really helps us with our metrics and everything else. And we love just hearing what you guys have to say about the podcast. That feedback is always helpful for us. And, of course, you can also subscribe at soundcloud.com slash esportsroughdrafts. Make sure you get every episode as soon as it goes live. You also, of course, go to unicorn.com, proud presenters of this podcast. We love working with these guys. We love going through all of these prop bets. There are many more than the ones that we mentioned if you're one of those people that loves to do first dragon, first tower, first baron. And don't forget, guys, if you type in rough drafts today on Unicorn, that is 75 free Unicorns for you guys to play along at home. Maybe you guys will do even better than our smart money bets. Send us your things on Twitter. We love to see what you guys are up to. Hopefully you'll use those unicorns well, and maybe you'll win some awesome marketplace item or a great auction. And we'll be back next week to see which teams managed to win their way through the playoffs. We've got four great LCS quarterfinal series this weekend. It's going to be very exciting, very fun. And we will be back next week to break down both the quarterfinal action and the semifinals as they're taking place in Vegas. So be sure to come back. And until then, goodbye, Internet.